For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing our expectation series today, and uh, we have two players to look at, Ronnie Stanley and Michael Pierce, that could be pretty central to the Ravens' 2022 season. Here to join me and talk about that is Childs Walker of the Baltimore Sun. Childs, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you? It's good to, good to be back. It's always fun to talk football with you. Really, always fun to talk a lot of different topics with you, uh, Childs, because you've done a lot of different reporting in your uh, in your career. I just learned today for the first time that you were really a horse racing guy. Not exactly my uh, uh, direct cup of tea, but but always interested in in hearing different local sports angles. Yeah, we were uh, we were starting to get into uh, syndicate compositions and stuff like that before we started <laughs> started recording. I don't I don't know that the listener is uh, is game for that, but but yeah. <laughs> Always, always lots of fun anyway. So if, remind people of the, the of, to remind people of, of how this series works, we're talking about two disparate players, Ronnie Stanley and Michael Pierce today. The idea is to pick one offense and one defense, or at least two people who aren't at the same position group. So I can give a variety of analysts a chance to come in and talk about players that they were interested in discussing what their relationship to the to their own position group is, and also uh, their importance to the team in general um, and, and their and their unit. So uh, uh, Childs took uh, Ronnie Stanley and Michael Pierce. Really appreciate that. And we'll talk about Ronnie Stanley first. And, uh, and uh, obviously coming back uh, off basically a year and a half gone, he was injured in that home game against Pittsburgh uh, just days after he'd signed a big contract, which was really unfortunate. But uh, you know, tried to come back in 2021 for one game with uh, against the Raiders. That didn't work out, and uh, he very quickly shut himself down for the season. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think he's one of the most important variance pieces of this entire team as, as as we go into the season, right? Because if he's a Ronnie Stanley, I mean, not even necessarily of 2019, where he was maybe the best pass blocker in football, even the Ronnie Stanley of 2018, 2017, if he's that and he's out there every week, that's a whole problem that you don't have to worry about that you've had to worry about for the, for the last two years. Um, 
but I, I don't I don't think we we can't say that with any confidence right now, right? And 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 I think the Ravens have that concern as well. So it's uh it's one of the biggest questions about this team going into the season. No no doubt about it. Absolutely. I mean, I I couldn't agree more. And and it's it's almost more like it's it's not even just one problem because as we saw last year, it became a domino of problems. And I I don't honestly believe Alejandro Villanueva would have been a great right tackle, but they kind of thought that they had right tackle solved initially with the signing. And that would have been just a different problem to solve that they maybe could have addressed. But, you know, when Villanueva has to move to left tackle where he had just a frankly an awful season, Uh, PFF's uh, grades are are much higher than mine in terms of of how much three second pressure he had versus two and a half. He gave up a lot of walk back pressure, uh, very unbalanced. and, And Lamar just didn't have the trust for him on that side. I think it really affected him. It definitely affected Huntley in terms of of his time in there. So, you know, having that left tackle solidified again is absolutely critical. And and there isn't anybody else. I think that's a reasonable chance to do it. I think if we're looking for Moses Falele or or James to do it, I think that would be more than a lottery ticket. No, I agree with you. I I was going to say that if you, if you, if you didn't, I mean, that's uh, there is still so much hinging on Stanley because there is not an obvious person to step in. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, I guess that, that Moses could, could do it and probably wouldn't wouldn't be bad but i mean you know that's that's not why they signed him and mm-hmm. they really did not draft anyone who could step in and do it right away so it's uh in essence we're back to where we were at this time last year i think i mean it, it's really not that different in terms of the dynamic and the importance yeah definitely hoping and, and you know it's often said in business that hope is not a strategy sometimes <laughs> it's the only strategy in sports you know you just there's certain things that are beyond your control uh, I actually dislike the way the NFL has become that it's so health based that that determines almost every season. It seems I mean, the, the Bengals were healthy last year. If the Bengals have really convinced themselves they've got their franchise together in a way that will lead to several consecutive Super Bowls here, they're completely kidding themselves. Uh, there are elements of them that are good, but they're not an obvious, you know, Kansas City emerging Kansas City Chiefs here. Right. And, you know, on the on the flip side of that, um, it's it's very hard to really assess where the Ravens were at the end of last season, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just just when we and and I suspect you know I, I haven't heard them say this exactly, but I, it must have been a challenge for them with their roster analysis coming out of the season and sort of figuring out their plan for the off season to really have an honest assessment of where they were because health decimated them to to such yeah. such a degree, you know. So yeah. we've we've seen that happen now in two seasons. I think you look at objective metri- metrics of health, and PFF has a couple that they've looked at, but the 2015 and 2021 Ravens were two of the worst teams of the last decade, and I think it's two of the worst five. The 2021 Ravens, one of the two was was the absolute worst. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, that, that at least is a reason for optimism in a sense. On the other hand, there's some carryover here. We don't know where Ronnie Stanley is. We don't really know where Marcus Peters is. Uh, we don't know for sure that Marlon Humphrey is going to be playing at a high level again. I mean, I, all of these guys who are coming back from these very significant issues, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, I mean, c- concerns are reasonable to have. Yeah, I mean, now we've seen we've probably seen some more reassuring signs from some of those other players. I mean, obviously, Marlon is already out there at OTAs and looking like looking like Marlon. So, you know, I think you probably put that on the less worried side side of the ledger. Marcus Peters you know, as, as at least express a lot of confidence in where he is. He's at least, I mean, he's around the team, you know, mm-hmm. it looks good. You get the sense that that, that might not be 
that far off at the beginning of camp. Um, the running backs, I mean, got, you always worry about a running back, right? I mean, when they, mm-hmm. when they come back from a serious leg injury, you know, because if you even lose 10% of that position, that, that, that's, that's a big difference. Um, but Stanley, I, I think, has to be the greatest, most important mystery of all of those because partly because we went through this last year, right? We thought everything was, was on track, and that was the message from the team. That was mm-hmm. the message from him um, that, you know, he might not be there right at the start of training camp, but he was feeling good about where he was. And, you know, there would be this sort of gradual ramp up. And he thought, you know, when he went out on the field in Las Vegas, he would be something close to the old Ronnie Staley. And of course he wasn't at all. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's had the subsequent surgery and he's expressing the same optimism and the team has expressed, I would say somewhat more measured optimism. But we're basically back where we, where we were last year with the evidence of last year to make us more worried about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. It's it's actually not as good a position right. as the start of last year. Right, right. Uh, you know, there's there's so many things about the the interaction of Lamar Stanley with other players on this team that I kind of want to get into into it here, but um, his health really affects Lamar Jackson and the trust he can have. I've I've mentioned on the show a number of times. Lamar takes a blindside bump or blindside constraints on the pocket better than any quarterback I've ever seen. He moves out of it. He moves very fluid, moving up or to the right. Uh, He's also very fluid, oftentimes spinning around that pressure coming from that left side, even when it's coming from the blind side. So Ronnie Stanley has has made his blocking um, uh, technique about mirroring his opponent very well and giving ground in the pocket as necessary to let that happen because he knows it doesn't really bother Lamar that much. And it's more important to keep hands off Lamar than it is to keep his butt from running into Lamar, getting into Lamar's space. That's that's actually better speaking. Now, I think Alejandro Villanueva in a way tried to duplicate that, was very unsuccessful at it. Uh, whether it's whether we're talking either player, I, I record many more pressures for Stanley uh, on that left side than PFF does. So they, they have absurdly low pressure numbers and sack numbers and whatnot. I've got him contributing to other events that are between two and a half and three seconds. But Lamar works extremely well with that. And with so many extended plays and his average time, you know, approaching three seconds overall, uh, you know, there are plenty that go over three. Um, it's it's very necessary that he have that trust with Stanley, that that guy is not going to get his, even if he gets close, he's not going to get his hand on it. Yeah, and... You know, I think I think what we saw from watching Lamar last season was that he clearly did lose that. What I mean, I don't know exactly what you would call it, but whatever whatever you would call it, that that sense of security. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the he, he just he did. He looked like a less confident player, you know, around midseason, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously then you know he had the illnesses and and he actually got hurt. But um, even before that, he wasn't the player that we saw early in the season. Wasn't the player that we had seen. In, you know, at, at his best in, in, the, in the previous seasons, there, there was there was something that had changed. And I agree with you. I think I think you have to say that Stanley was a huge part of that. Yeah. Uh, OK, well, let's talk about goals for 2022. I think we can actually predict what each other's goals are. But um, it, it, why don't you start first and we'll kind of alternate as we go through this before we get to what a good and great season is. Goals for goals for Ronnie Stanley. Um, yeah. I. I mean, it's really games played, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's number one. I mean, you know, if, if you're, you know, even, even if you're not confident he can play 17 games, you know, I would 
think it would be a goal for him to start 14 or 15 games. That would be number one, I would say. Yeah, that's that's great. I just put health. Yeah. Um, it, it's a it's a really simple thing. If he can play, uh, he'll be out there. It's not it's not 100 percent of the story because we just don't know after a year and a half if he's going to be the same player. But um, I'll get my second one is rebuilds trust in the blind side with Lamar so he can do what he does effectively. Maintain mirror while giving ground. And I, that's just I just explained it. So I won't do it again. But that to me is is the biggest goal of the relationship between them that I could see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. It's almost hard to come up with other goals beyond, uh-huh. beyond, beyond the obvious couple. Right. I mean, it's uh, I mean, I, I guess, I guess you could say another goal would be to um, be part of helping to cultivate one of the younger linemen who might be able to, to help contribute if he can't be out there every week or, you know, if he's not there in the future, I mean, cause you know, Ronnie has certainly talked about wanting to be a leader of the offensive line, you know, after, after Marshall Yonder retired, there was a sense that he was sort of the obvious guy to step, to step into that. And so part of that would be potentially nurturing the next generation, you know, whichever, whichever candidate you want to center on. So, so that might be something a little off, off, off the beaten path to think about in terms of what he's doing. Yeah. So it, it, that's great, by the way. I didn't have that on my list. I should have. But but mentoring is not always so, – it's not something all players are really cool with. Some want it and some don't. I think Rowney would be secure enough that he wouldn't be worried about losing his position to Daniel Falalele, who would be the obvious choice right. to be mentored. Right. You know, so so that, that I think, would, would make some sense in that way. To me, I, I'd pick another mentoring relationship or another relationship of, of integrated value is that he could work with whoever ends up at left guard. I, I still think it'll be – It'll be uh, Cleveland, but if it ends up being Pierce or McCary, whoever it is, you know, develop a real rapport with him to make that gap as safe as possible. Uh, it will be a, a you know a gap always that other teams will try and stunt on, that other teams will try and cross, and and uh, and it's, it's having that relationship is good. Cleveland actually has some very positive characteristics about processing from center to left. Right? It's it's the center out, but he plays left guard, so it's center to left. Uh, where he could he could help with some bailout blocks, and that's particularly useful for a lineman who intentionally wants to give ground as part of their mirroring. So uh, Cleveland has a chance to 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 knock someone who Stanley's effectively mirroring on his ass uh, by by moving out there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do we have to come up with any more goals, or is that I, enough? I, I, I've got I've got one more that <laughs> that injuries have not really eroded his p- pass blocking skills. I guess the next thing is that the quickness is still there for him to be an effective run blocker. The last time we saw Ronnie Stanley play, uh, he was a guy who could get into level two and level three and make a run block. He's a rare tackle with the quickness to make a, an effective backside run block uh, on a play where he doesn't have to just dive in there and make a cut. So I, I really like that. And, and if, if, if he can't um, uh, get back to that. That'll be that'll be a component loss of 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 what Ronnie contributed to the offense certainly in 2019 and 2020. Well, and that's what makes the best guys at that position special, right? I mean, that's yeah. why they're that's why they're some of the premium players in the game. And you know that he was he was an example of that. And it's I, you know given the injuries, the particular injuries he's dealt with, it's it's an open question whether whether he gets back to that even if he is on the field. All right, so let's get on to what is a good and a great season. I'll toss it out there on a good season here. I put this together. That he returns healthy to start the season. Misses no more than a game or two. I think that matches with some of the things you said earlier. Is still effective, if not dominant, as a pass and run blocker. So, And he develops a rapport with the left guard and stabilizes the offensive line with his presence. 
Yeah, I, I think those are those, those are all good. Um, I, yeah, I would say starts 15 games um, mm-hmm. is gets back to being sort of the 75th percentile kind of performer that maybe we saw in his first couple of seasons. Um, and that we see, I mean, I, I, I think you have to measure Lamar's performance a little bit when you, mm-hmm. when, when you, when you look at his performance, right. Um, you know, that, that we see a more confident Lamar than we did, you know, middle, middle of last season toward, toward the end of last season. Now, I mean, obviously that's not a, that's not a totally easy thing to judge and to put on a lineman, but you know, that, that will be part of, you know, reckoning with the overall story of his season, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. I think, you know, I, I, having them get back to the rapport and the understanding they had is is a very good one. I, I'll bump it up to a great season here. I say he returns healthy and at the midpoint of his 2016 to 2020 level of play. He doesn't have to play at 2019 or 2020 again because he was unbelievably good in those years. But if he could be at the midpoint of that level of play from his first five years, I, I'd be thrilled with it. He improves the play of the left guard by his presence, and the Ravens' offense returns to the top five in terms of efficiency metrics, which I think is largely going to be dependent on him. Uh, he's such a central piece on this, but uh, what I want is, is points per drive that are back at about 2.65 or higher, that are at a historic level of 3.08 in 2019. as the fifth highest of all time. Uh, people didn't, you know, some Baltimoreans don't even really realize just how efficient that offense was. But, you know, they built up a lot of big leads. They allowed the the defense to play very comfortably in a lot of the second half with these heavy pass rush schemes. And I think this year with the secondary built the way it is, this is an exciting time for the Ravens to become a dominant turnover team again. And having big leads, having a two touchdown lead in the second half goes a long way to allowing you to, to, to sell out into these uh, all pass defenses. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll keep it very simple in terms of what would be a great season for him. He starts every game, and we're not asking questions about him at midseason. You know, I love it. We, we, <laughs> we've kind of we've kind of stopped talking about him as an issue. We're we're back to taking him for granted. I, I think that's that that would be great. That, that's that's so many fewer words than I use to to, to, to communicate the very good thing. So if we if we take him for granted, I think he'd have to be back to back to that average level right. of play at least. That 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 does it for me. All right. Well, that's why you're in journalism. You can cut your cut your whole outfit to, to two inches there. Uh, all right. So let's talk about Michael Pierce a little bit. So he's returning for his second tour with the Ravens after a three-year uh, deal was terminated after just one season with the Vikings. He took 220, uh, 2020 off for COVID concerns. Uh, played reasonably well, but in only eight games this last year before he got hurt. Uh, so not ideal. Uh, he'll be 30 in November. Uh, remains one of the best run-stopping nose tackles in the game for for my money. Yeah, and in a way, you know, he's a good pairing with Stanley because health is kind of the number one question with him as well. Now, mm-hmm. that's maybe not entirely fair because he was a fairly durable player when he yeah. was in Baltimore. Um, I mean, he was he was a you know, I don't think he ever played sixteen games, but I mean, he was he was playing thirteen and fourteen games a year. I mean, he was he was he was a guy that they could they could rely on for for good part-time work mm-hmm. um i you know in the in the eight games he did play for the vikings um he was pretty productive um you know st- still as you said a, a very good run defender and even had the three sacks now i mean i i know some people have probably gone back and really looked at those three sacks and you know the context for them and you know was he really a more productive pass rusher than he had been in the past i i have not done that so I, so i don't know the answer mm-hmm. to that but you know just on the surface you know a productive eight games at least. So, so you, so you could say 
this is this this is not a guy where we haven't seen any of his old talent for two years. Right, exactly, and and I think that's the big difference between him and Stanley. I would I would uh, Pierce had been a very I mean Stanley had been too before he got injured. It was it was a you know extraordinarily productive player who played almost sixteen games per year, but always seemed to miss a game or two for for some reason. In Pierce's case. Uh, he played as many as 50% of the snaps. That's very rare from a nose tackle. And, and there are multiple reasons, but for him to play 50% of the snaps in 2019, um, I think it was 49.9 actually, uh, he uh, is doing it for a team that had big leads in the second half, did not play a lot of base defense. They played only about 10% base defense that year. Uh, they actually played more of their race car package with four outside linebackers. They played a base defense in, in 2019, mostly a function of, of that second half and, uh, of having leads in the second half. So I, it's, it's something um, uh, he really was amazingly durable when he last was with the Ravens. I was I was actually very scared, scared for the Ravens to lose him. I, he went to a contract the Ravens couldn't match, but but he was the lineman I thought was uh, really the best and youngest of the group at that time. Yeah. And. I mean, he's he's stepping in for the guy who used to be his his running mate, Brandon Williams. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, for my money, at this point in their careers, I, I, I think he's clearly a better player than yeah. Brandon Williams on a on a on a per snap basis. So so in that sense, you would you would think it would be an upgrade if he's if he's able to be that durable player that he was when he was here. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the, the sacks and whatnot, what he did with the Ravens that was effective and always kind of underappreciated is uh, take some double teams on passing situations and, and still push the pocket effectively. So there's somebody, a lot of times pressure is about just getting somebody into the cone and it may not always be counted by a pressure by all services, but if you get someone into the quarterback's cone where they can't comfortably step into their throw uh, that's usually very good. If you, if you just, move a, 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 a center or a guard such that somebody else can slip by or you create an opportunity for somebody to, to, to blitz off your rear end, that's, that's a very positive thing people do. And they usually don't get credit for it. Haloti Nada never did when he's in Baltimore. So, uh, you know, I, I personally, I think Pierce makes contributions as a, as a pass rusher as well, even though it really doesn't show up statistically very much. And, and I think by and large in recent years, the Ravens have done, a good job of not asking their interior linemen to do things that they can't do. I mean, mm-hmm. of, of not, of not asking them to be more than they are. So, so in that sense, having Pierce back here, I mean, I, I, I think they know, I mean, obviously they, they, they know what he can give them. And, and I mean, I, I don't think they will, they will try to lean on him more than he can help them. If you, if you know what I mean, right. I, you know, I, I think there's every reason to think they'll find a good fit between usage and ability. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they've always been exceptionally good at that, but in particular on the defensive line where it's been a rotation-heavy scheme, uh, they know who can play which downs and which down and distance effectively and help them by package. So they're good with that. Uh, we ready to talk about some goals? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead. I'd say he plays between 40 and 50% of the snaps that he did, as he did with his peak with the Ravens. Uh, I think that would be a, a great place to start. He's obviously got help with Travis Jones this year. So, uh, you know, probably has a reasonable chance to get there. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I was going to say um, probably 15 games would be, would, mm-hmm. would, would, would be goal. I mean, you, you, you put it in terms of, of snap percentage, which, which is also important, but you know, you, you, you just want to, I mean, you want to have him out there most weeks, right. After, after he's mm-hmm. only played eight games over the last two years. I mean, I, you, 
you really, I get, you really can't hold the COVID decision against him in terms of durability sure. either. I mean, you know, we'll look at it and say he's only played eight games over the last few years. That, that's probably not entirely fair because it implies that he was beat up in in 2020, which which was was which was not the case. So, I mean, I I think it's really you know get back get back to the durability of 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 the season before last. Yeah, you could even you could even make the counterpoint that. Um, he actually had a year less of tread wear because he, he yeah. took the COVID year off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to have the next thing is, is able to um, pace his play well with the addition of Travis Jones in the rotation at nose tackle and provide a, what I think could be a really exciting one, two punch with Jones in terms of guys who can play one and three tech. So one, one thing we saw when Pierce came into the league and he was a UDFA when he first came to the Ravens was that he took over the one tech spot and um, Brandon Williams was the guy who had to change positions and go to a three. Brandon obviously never really complained about it, but honestly was not as effective playing as a three tech than as a guy who, who could be 350 pounds if I'm not going anywhere, as I used to say about Tony Siragusa and, and take a lot of double teams. Uh, but Pierce, uh, very effective in a one three with Brandon Williams. The Ravens run defense uh, was as good as it's ever been uh, at that point. Yeah. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how he and how he and Jones play together. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see, to see Jones in, in general. I know, I know he's not obviously not our primary subject today, but he's uh he's looked very good, uh, you know, in sort of a limited way in OTAs. I mean, there's no contact really. So it's hard to, it's hard to say that, but I mean, he, he just, he sort of looks the part. So, I mean, it, he'll, mm-hmm. to me, he'll be one of the more interesting rookies to follow. And in, in that I think he could make a real contribution right, right away. Um, you know, with, with, with Pierce, you, you talked about um, his impact on the passing game, not being able to maybe be measured in, in traditional ways, but I think it would be a goal for him to maintain some of that pass rush, that, that sort of more obvious pass rush production that, he was able to deliver on a, on a limited basis in, in Minnesota. You know, I don't know that you, I mean, it's probably unrealistic to say, you know, he would get five sacks or whatever mm-hmm. you would project on a, on a, on a, on a, you know, per game basis. But um, you, you'd like, you'd like to see him get a few and, and, you know, establish some of that interior push that we have not seen as much as the Ravens would have wanted to see in the last couple of years. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, even Calais Campbell has not really delivered in terms of sacks for the Ravens, and he can he continued to be last year one of the Ravens' best defensive players. Uh, you know, you, I, I we look at every play defensively, and we're, yeah. we're picking out the the highlights. And Campbell stands out like almost nobody, and it's play after play. He's making plays or he's setting up plays for other players. I mean, just uh, but yeah, I'd I'd like to see some finishing out of Pierce too. I think that'd be wonderful. Uh, what do I have more? Anything or yes, I, I want other teams to have to think about Michael Pierce and as the focal point for where their blocking needs to go. If if that happens, other players are going to have good matchups. So if other teams come in and say, "Hey, Michael Pierce needs a double team on the inside," because if we just put our our three hundred and twelve pound center on him, he's going to push him back like he's nothing. Uh, that's what I want other people to be thinking. Now, if they think that about Travis Jones instead, that's fine too. But but Michael Pierce. Uh, if if they have to do what they did with Haloti Nada and really start your blocking schemes from the inside, get him blocked and that left one on ones on the edge for players like Suggs and Doomerville and Arthur Jones and other players who who were there during the era, um, I, I'd be excited about that. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. Um, one one thing I was interested to ask you, and this doesn't exactly 
fit right here, but it, but it kind of does. I mean, I know some people raised eyebrows at at the at the at the Ravens signing the deal they did with Pierce. Did that mm-hmm. did 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 that raise any? I mean, did, did did that surprise you at all? I mean, were were you or, or, or did it seem like it made sense? Um, it didn't really surprise me. What surprised me last year is that they didn't take a defensive lineman in the draft. And they had a chance at Christian Barmore. He would have been a, the, the the choice to take, but they would have had to give it up on Owe or Bateman. I think they probably made the right choice. The Barmore has played well so far. Uh, if uh, there, It was a very old unit. They already knew the problems they had with Wolf. In fact, they've now effectively, I, the way I see it anyways, either one of Wolf or Urban is going to make the team, but they're both older players. Um, and Pierce is a guy they're bringing in on a uh, Band-Aid basis. He's not a permanent solution. Right. He's an older guy as well. And, and you know, they've been through this. They've been on a treadmill of kind of older players on the defensive line, which is, a, which is an area where typically the Ravens have drafted extremely well. And uh, it's, a little, it's a little bit surprising to me, but I'm very excited about Travis Jones. A great value, and I think he'll yeah. be a really good player in the defense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we ready for good and great? Yep. Let's yep. do it. Okay. So my good is he starts the season at nose tackle and delivers at a high level of run defense without any consideration for, at all for what his pass rush contributions are. He can be good just by do by being the run defender they expect. Yeah, I mean my my good would just be that he's he's the Michael Pierce of uh, of 2019. Basically, I mean that that he's you know he, he's he's out there for all all but a couple games. As you said, he plays you know 40 40 50 percent of the snaps and he's a 75th 80 percentile run defender at his position i I think that's that that's a good year and and a good value okay yeah that would that would certainly do it too Uh, i'll put a great is that he campbell and jones form an imposing 513 front line okay five tech one tech three tech that campbell Mm -hmm. being the five and him the one and 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 travis jones the three front that helps control the line of scrimmage on first and second downs the contributions he makes uh, create uncomfortable down and distance situations for opponents. So this is going to be a big thing about the Ravens is can they get other teams to third and eight, third and seven, and then be able to put on their, you know, diamond quarter packages, which have six or seven defensive backs to, to, to uh, impose their will on opposing offenses. But it, it has to start with being able to uh, provide a good defensive standard on first and second down. And those are the downs, of course, that, that Pierce would be playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, very, very similar for me. I, I, I think, I think great from him would be, um, he plays sixteen or seventeen games. Um, he's not only a, a very high level run defender, but he's part of an interior line that is able to uh, create more pressure from the middle on, on on quarterbacks. You know, whether that's directly shows up in his statistics or not, that that he's part of that sort of alignment that you just that you just talked about, and and that, and that that's making an impact on, on, on the quarterback more than it has in recent years. Okay. Appreciate that. That's great stuff, Childs. And, and I like the fact that you're going with more qualitative uh, things than quantitative. That's, that's pretty much where I am other than, than kind of snap count. I, I really kind of try to stay away from awards and numbers and these things, because it's so hard to predict numbers within the Ravens scheme. It's, it really is particularly on the offense, but, but also on defense. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, with, with Stanley, I mean, we could, I guess, I guess we could list we could list the Pro Bowl as as a goal, right? But I mean, there's there's some pretty big steps to to get to before we even talk about that, right? Right? So it's almost, uh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> it's always great to talk football with your child. So tell folks where they can talk football with you. Yeah. Um, so baltimoresun.com still. I mean, I'll be uh, 
you know, I'll, I'll be writing Raven stuff over the next few weeks as they uh, as they get through their last OTA and, and mandatory minicamp, um, you know, and, and as, as will my colleagues. And then uh, obviously things, things will get a little quieter for, for, uh, for about a month then as we uh, as, as we and they uh, take, take some time away. But then we'll, we'll be ramping up for, for training camp with a uh, full on coverage from uh, every every side imaginable. So uh, so so that's uh, that's it. All right. Well, I hope we'll, we'll have some uh, chances to, to exchange a few words and comments in uh, at, at camp. That uh, should be real fun. We'll look uh, other, other folks out there, if you're looking to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs on Twitter are always open. I always get back to people very quickly about ideas. And we've had some unbelievably good ones recently about the evolution of the game, the wide receiver devaluation, all sorts of very theoretical topics from people uh, just are very interesting to talk football with and, and, uh, Love to do that with you if you're out there and, and have an idea. Childs, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me, and I look forward to the next time. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.